Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Talk Recorded live. Father God, we thank you for those words that we have heard. Father God, we thank you for this day that you have made. Hallelujah. We thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. And as we go forth tonight, Father God, let us be here. Let us not just be here of the word, but doers of the word, Father God. We pray for everyone that's on this call. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and we pray for the word that's going to go forth, that will go forth under the unction of the Holy Spirit, and there shall not be any hindrance. In Jesus' holy name, name, we give you praise. Amen and amen. Well, thank you all. Thank you all so much for joining us on tonight. It's uh, been a blessing. Uh, we're still in uh, looking at the work of the Holy Spirit, getting to know the Holy Spirit, and then looking at all the works of the Holy Spirit. Well, I won't say all because that's too inclusive, but uh, quite a few uh, different uh, aspects of the activities of the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week, we talked about health. Uh, and um, so tonight I want to just get right into uh, talking about the gift of faith. So before we do that, though, if you have your smartphones or iPads or, or smart tablets and you have your Bible on, let's lift those as we prepare to make our declaration on tonight, please. Repeat after me. If I receive this word. If I receive this word. With my mind only, my mind only. This, word this word will be dead, will be dead for, me. for me. But if I receive this word, but if I receive this word with the spirit over my mind, the spirit over my mind, this word, this word will, will be life, will be life, will be life for me, for me. Lord, 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 I don't need. I don't need religious, religious form and fashion. Form and fashion. I, I need, need life. Life. I've got the Bible say, this is the life for me. <laughs> Love it. <clears throat> well, let's get right into this faith, this gift of the faith, this gift that of all the Holy Spirit called faith. We've talked a lot about faith, uh, and uh, but let's let's see if we can't delve into it just a little bit more. There are three forms of faith, if, if you will. I'm going to use three forms of faith. There's saving faith. There's a no Christian faith, uh, which is a normal Christian faith, rather. And then there is the special faith. There is the saving faith. There is the normal Christian faith. And then there is the special faith. So I want to approach them from these, those in that particular order. Let's talk about saving faith. Um, so when we talk about, and I'm going to read Romans chapter 10, verse 17. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I've already read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. So let's just 
read on, I'm going to read Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So when we talk about saving faith, what Paul is saying here in this particular verse, in this chapter of 10th chapter of Romans in the 17th verse, where so faith then comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, so if we closely observe the words, uh, the word order in this verse, we can see that for a person to believe and be saved, it requires what? Faith. But faith cannot occur unless there is first a hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, of course, we know that hearing implies, therefore, that there is an utterance of God's word by an individual believer sent to speak it. So we know that if we're going to hear something, that means that something is being spoken. Now, I'm not trying to get all spiritual and deep and say that we hear the Spirit talking to us or to our spirit because that is true, and we can hear that. But what I'm talking about is simply what Romans here is talking about, and that is faith cannot occur unless there is first a person to believe and to be saved. Uh, and faith cannot occur unless there is first or that's a hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, of course, hearing implies, therefore, an utterance of God's word by an individual believer sent to speak it. Sent to speak it. That's important. Um, so for effective sharing of the gospel requires the active involvement of who? Who have we been teaching on? The Holy, the Holy Spirit. He has to be actively involved. He has to be intimately engaged in the effective sharing of the gospel. And there are always three individuals involved with the gospel. You want to share? There, there's the Holy Spirit. You can't do anything without him because the Holy Spirit is the one that prepares the heart of the hearer. And the one and the Holy Spirit is the one that prepares your heart and uses you as his temple to speak through you into the heart of the individual who's, uh, that he is prepared to receive the gospel. Then there is the individual. That's the second person or if you want to call it the third person. And then it is you, the vessel that, that the Spirit uses to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to the individual. So there's a three-strand cord there, and it requires the three of those in order for the gospel to be heard. Now, if I can use an analogy, I would say that fire requires heat, fuel, and oxygen. If you take either heat, fuel, or oxygen away, either one of them away, then you cannot have a fire. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. You, you have to have the Holy Spirit, not just you and the individual that you're sharing with, because then you, can't, you won't be successful. And that's important to remember. So for effective sharing of the gospel requires the active involvement of the Holy Spirit. So even then, the word must meet a willing and receptive heart. In fact, in fact, and I was, it was doing this research and reading and studying this afternoon. In fact, Romans 10 and 17 sums up in a sentence what was just 
said in the first three verses, last three verses, or the preceding three verses uh, of this of this verse of, of Romans ten seventeen. For example, go back if you will to Romans chapter ten verses fourteen through sixteen. Let's go there real quick, and you'll see what I'm saying. Uh, all of this, and it requires one thing, and it summarizes it in my in my humble opinion, in my prayerful thoughts. It only can only come about by this, and this is where 1017 sums up. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach unless they, and how shall they preach rather unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And then verse 16. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the God. If you don't hear it, how can you believe it? It's got to be spoken to you. And that's what and that's why I say Romans ten seventeen kind of sums up those those first those last three verses there. Because all of that has to take place. But even with that, he has to speak in order for you and I to hear and receive the gospel. Questions? Comments? Okay. Um, now, if we marry Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 with Romans, chapter 10, verse 17, we can see that salvation is extended to all by God's grace. For by grace, Romans, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. When we marry the two of them together, we can see that salvation is extended to all by God's grace. And that's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Thus, we see that salvation is grace, is grace gifted, I love that, gifted to whom? To anyone who would receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. That's just it. So if you avail yourself, and no matter who you are, if you avail yourself of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and by faith receive him as your Savior and Lord, you are saved. And that's a powerful thing. That's the message we always want to be able to get out. We want to get the gospel message out so that people will be Saved, have the opportunity, if you will, to be saved. Not everybody, my heart's desire is that everybody would be saved. Uh, and, of course, John, I mean, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 is very um, apropos to this particular, uh, to my statement that I just made, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Mm-hmm. 
Second Peter chapter three verse nine. The people are complaining and saying, "Well, where everything everything you've been telling us all this time, and it's still just going on the same. Nothing has really changed." And and Peter just simply says, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what? It would be, if we were smart, and I can't say that I am that smart, but if we were smart, when we read something like this, let me read it again. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. I mean, he's going to do it, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. So God, in his infinite wisdom, is taking a whole lot of time to give us an opportunity to come around so where we can hear and be saved. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but he wants everybody to come to repentance. That is, to, to, turn, to receive his son and then turn away from the life that you're currently living and begin to walk in accordance with his word and, 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 and bringing glory and honor to his son. So that is so powerful. And he's not careful of slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but he is faithful towards us that he's not willing that any should, he is long-suffering rather toward us, that he's not willing that any should perish, but all will come to repentance. What a powerful word. He wants to give everybody an opportunity to really hear this gospel before he lowers the boom, before Jesus returns. And we have to we have to understand that. And that's our responsibility as believers. Now there are those who are evangelists, but every believer is called to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. And bar none. And and that's that's a guarantee. We can't get out of that. We're held accountable if we don't. You say, well, how do we do that when we don't know how to? have to teach you. You have to be taught. And maybe that's what I ought to do over the um, hours to do is just start teaching evangelism by way of auction so that people can learn how to share their faith effectively. Uh, but grace, but salvation is grace gifted to anyone who would avail themselves of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and by faith receive him as their Savior and Lord. Take not take note of what else Paul says here in this in this uh, in this verse. He says to the Ephesian church, salvation isn't achieved by individual merit. What if it which if it could be <laughs> then there are those who would be who would brag about what they did. Remember, Ephesians uh, two eight nine says, "For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, that any man should boast." So those that, if if it could be earned, then it would be cheap, and if it were cheap. Nobody would want to do anything with it. You know what I'm talking about. You go out and you see some things that you like, and you go out and you, you, you've got to have it. And when you get it, now that you have it, it really doesn't matter that much. It doesn't mean that much to you. So it just sits in a gap of stuff, or it sits in the closet, or it sits in your, 
drawer and never to be never to see the daylight of, the, the light of day again except when you open it to take something else out and you look at it and say, I, I don't feel like that right there. I don't want to wear that. I mean, you know, I don't need that. So if it were that easy, and it is simple to receive it, but you cannot earn it. It's the why. Because it is a free gift. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it, but it's a free gift. So we take note of what else Paul says here to the Ephesian church. Salvation isn't achieved by individual merit, which if it could be, there are those who would brag about what they did. I'd also add that if they could earn salvation based on individual merit, again, salvation would be commercialized like cheap merchandise and sold for pennies on the dollar. Comments? So salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone, following the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That faith is an absolute precursor to salvation is made clear in Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Okay, Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believers, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, excuse me, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from work. So Paul speaks of righteousness and imputed righteousness in these verses. Like salvation, righteousness is used here, as used here, is not the consequence of your effort or mine. On the contrary, righteousness is credited to us by God as a result of the perfect life Jesus Christ lived. Because Jesus fulfilled every jot and tittle, those are the smallest letters in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, uh, and fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law, having committed not even the smallest of sin, if sin could be categorized in that way. He could bring, he could, ha- he could I'm sorry, he could hang and die on Calvary's cross as payment for our sins. So, because Jesus Christ fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law, having committed no, not even the smallest of sin, he could hang on death and, and die, rather, on Calvary's cross as payment for our sins. Our sins, not, your, not, not his sins, because Jesus was a, lived a sinless life. He was able to fulfill every every word, every letter of the Mosaic law. He was able to fulfill all the law and comply with it all, and at the same time, not sin. That's perfection. You want, if you want to know the definition of perfection, Jesus Christ. Just, just write Jesus Christ. And you, or you can write God, or you can write the Holy Spirit, because he's one and the same substance. He is God and perfect in every, every way possible. So his resurrection 
exemplifies God's acceptance of his death as full payment for humanity's sin. In other words, by Jesus dying on the, being a, living the perfect life, never sinning at all, and then dying on the cross for our sins, and then being buried in the grave, and then God raises him up on the third day, that indicates that his sacrifice was acceptable to God. Therefore, we are liberated. We have the freedom from our sins and from, from eternal damnation, and now we know that we can have eternal life and we can be with him forever, eternity in heaven. But we have to make that decision. It cannot be made by anyone else. We have to make that decision. I like that. I like that a whole lot. So God has given us to possess as our own righteousness the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He's given us Jesus' righteousness. That's and, and that's why we cannot brag about having salvation. I love it. That's why we can't walk around with our heads in the air like we're superior to others because we are saved. Never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from. Because the moment you do, you're gone. Never forget where you came from. And finally, concerning saving faith, I quote Paul yet again, this time from Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Okay, And finally, concerning saving faith, I quote Paul again from Romans chapter 12, verse 3 this time. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We're talking about the gift of faith, and right now we're dealing with saving faith. And this is all these scriptures, and what I'm saying is dealing specifically with saving faith. Note what Paul is saying. When it comes to the gift God has given you, you must have the proper mindset. You must be clear-headed and recognizing the gift comes directly from God and the manner of faith he has given you is in direct proportion to your gift. Some people may do some magnificent things, but they have been given that portion of faith to do that. You have been given the greatest of one of an awesome gift of teaching. Don't be caught up and be envious and and begin to sensationalize the gifts of others within the church body. They they can only perform to the to the the degree or the proportion of faith that God has given them that is representative of the faith of the gift that he has given them. So the faith, I believe, the faith and the gifts that you have are complement each other so well that when you step out by faith and exercise that gift, you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish for the kingdom. You'll be amazed. And then that's how verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 comes in. 
the gift is for the benefit of all. Everybody then will begin to grow and to, to learn from it and benefit from it. And then, of course, he gave this, this when we talk about the fivefold ministry of the of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, is for the for the for what for the perfecting of the edifying of the body, for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We all come to the union of the faith. So you know, all of that comes together. We work together for the good of the body of Christ. And so he gives gifts. He gives gifts and faith commensurate, and the faith is representative of the um, of, of what you need, rather, to fulfill or carry out the gift that God has given to you and I. That's that's beautiful, and I love that. So your measure of faith is different from my measure of faith, but it is in proportion, and and. Just what my particular gift needs, if I have the, if I believe enough, if I have faith enough to step out and and exercise that gift that I've been given, I'll be I'll be for the kingdom. I'll be on fire like nobody's business. I will do so much that nobody else and and see nobody can fulfill the gift that God has given you but you. If you die never having it, never having engaged your gift for the kingdom of God, shame on you. Shame on me if I do. God does not give us the gifts so we can sit on them. He gives us the gifts so that we can we can operate in them. And when we operate in them, we let our light shine. And when our light shines, God is glorified. So. I'm, I'm loving him for that. So, uh, so when God calls you to a work, he gives you both the gift or ability to do the work and the confident, confident belief that you can do the work. If he calls you, for example, to lay hands on the sick with the belief that in doing so, the person on whom, on whom you lay hands will be healed, then that person will be healed. That's a faith walk. That's your gift. And when you operate within that gift, you are in the order of God. You are operating according to the order and the will of God. And therefore, the church, again, is, is, is grows. Now, let's shift, if we will, to that second form of faith that I mentioned earlier, and that is that normal Christian faith. Now, this is the kind of faith that pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. This is, a, this is a pleasing kind of faith. This is the kind of faith that pleases God, and I love it. I love it. Hebrews 11, 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And, of course, this is coming right off the, this is right after coming right off the heel of uh, the previous verse. Let's turn. I'm going to turn there real quick. And then I want you to go in your Bible, turn in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 and 20 through 24 as well. 
Because we're talking about Enoch right now. Hebrews chapter, what did I say? <laughs> 11 verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. When you got it, say, I got it. If you don't have it, say, wait up. I got it. Amen. Let me go back up here to uh, verse 5. By faith. By what? By faith. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see what? Death. And, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. What was the testimony? That he pleased God. That he pleased God. Now go, if you will, to Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. Let's make sure the Hebrew writer knows what he's talking about. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 21. And I just want to give you advanced heads up. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Because God never makes a mistake. So it's the word of God. So it's always going to be accurate. Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Who wants to read that? In Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. I'll be happy to read it if you all don't feel comfortable doing it. Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. After he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, everything else, by everybody else you read, everybody, everybody else you read here, you will find that they died. This is the only person outside of Elijah that did not die. And you'll never see scripture that says that they died. And and that's an scripture gives us an example of what it means to please God. Every real and meaningful relationship begins with trust. Uh, Enoch's trust or faith in God. God is not impressed by unbelievers, but he is pleased with believers in his son. Quiet. If you have the if you have the son, you have the father as well. If you receive the son, you receive him who he who sent him or sent the son, which is God. Enoch's walk with God. I like this. Enoch's walk with God was a faith walk. But Abraham's walk with God was a faith walk. Abraham's walk was different than Enoch's because God told Abraham to get everything that he owned and get out of his father's house and country and, and go to a place that he would, he would show him. Abraham, God said, I'll make you a great nation. And God bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. So with Abraham, that was huge. To me, that's a gift of faith. We're not knowing where he was going. We're not told anything about Abraham as far as uh, his relationship with God until, until that particular point where God says to Abraham, get up, get out of your father's house, 
away from your kindred and go to this place, and I'm going to make you a great nation. And so Enoch walked with God by faith. And you have to have that faith. So, so Enoch then, how, what is it to walk by faith in God? That is Enoch, and each of us must make this decision for ourselves. He self-gifted himself to pleasing God, to serving God. He self-gifted himself to God with his whole heart, not just a part of his heart, but everything about him. Now, Enoch's walk with God was a walk of faith, as I said. Not that he lived a life apart from sin, because every person, every person except Jesus Christ, sinned. But he must have been repentant and deeply humbled before God. I, I, I can only see this. God found no fault in him because he took him. If God had found fault in Enoch, he never would have taken him. So they must have had an intimate, very intimate relationship, and it truly, deeply pleased God. And let me tell you something else. <laughs> it, God found no fault in it. There is no greater testimony. There is no greater testimony to a believer's character uh, than, that, than to have the God of all creation testify on your behalf that you are, that you please him. That word, this is not men that are telling us this. This is God telling us about Enoch, the kind of person Enoch was. He pleased God, and God wanted us to know that. You want to know how to walk by faith? You want to know what walking by faith looks like? You want to know what walking by faith um, means to God? And what it does to God, it pleases him. God, now, don't get me wrong. There is, in Jeremiah 17, chapter 17, verses 9 and 10, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10, the heart, God says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. In verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his way, according to the fruit of his doing. Listen, if, if, if Enoch was a right, low-down, good-for-nothing, baby-beating, wife-slamming-ducking scoundrel, God never would have called him. God never would have taken him. He never would have uttered the word, he pleased me. So, he pleased me. So think about what the word of God just said. Then examine your walk in its life. Is your heart such that God can say of you, as he says of Enoch, he or she pleased God? Can you say that? Do you think God would say that of you? And if your answer is no, then you have some work to do. I have some work to do. We have to pray more. We have, to, we have to give ourselves to the study of the word of God more. We have to rely on him more. We have to trust him beyond our eyesight. That's what faith is. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, Well, we walk by faith and not by sight. 
when we want to walk a faith of sight, it is not faith at all because we see it and that's how we operate. But true faith does not see in the natural, but it believes in the spirit that God will do what God says he will do, not just for you, but for all who trust and believe in him. It is a faith walk. So, now, contrast what God said about Enoch with what he said about his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, part B of that verse. And then Matthew chapter 17.5B, verse 5, part B. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The first one is when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and came up out of the Jordan, and the Lord and the heavens opened up, and the Lord and our God, our Father, said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That I am well pleased. He qualified the pleasure. He is well pleased with his Son. But Enoch, it just, he just pleased me. Well pleased me is because he was sinless, because he was perfect in all of his ways. He knew, God knew that Jesus would do everything that God sent him here to do. He knew that if anyone was going to fulfill every component of the law, Jesus was going to fulfill it. He was well pleased with Jesus Christ. But he was also pleased with Enoch. And I'm just settled for just pleased with me. You know what I'm saying? I would settle for just being pleased with me. Ah, Lord. And then so... This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And this is John. This is Matthew chapter 17. This is where Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration and where, where Abraham and Elijah come down. Well, Moses and Elijah come down. Moses and Elijah, right? Uh, yeah. Moses and Elijah come down and they're ministering and they're meeting in Jesus. And Jesus transfigures before uh, Peter, James, and John. Uh, and he is just as bright as all get out. And his clothing is whiter than the full than full of soap can get it white because it was it was revealing who he was in the spirit realm. This he is light. John says in him was light, and the light was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it because it was pure, it was untouched. It could not, and because of that, it drove away the darkness. Jesus, in, and when you have him in your life, he drives away the darkness because in him is pure light. And so when they were standing on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus transformed before them into, a, into the brightest light, brighter than the sun, brighter than full of snow, so content his clothing. He was, he was almost translucent in his appearance. He was so bright. And Jesus and God, and so Peter says, it's good for us to be here. Let us make a, a tent for you and, and Moses and, and, and Elijah. And then at that time, the, a cloud came up and opened up, and God began to speak, and they were scared, and they fell on their faces. And, and God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And you got to love it. Let me just make sure I'm not making a mistake here on these names. I'm going to go there. To Matthew chapter 17 real quick and just make sure I'm I'm telling you guys the right thing. Elijah uh, and 
Let's go here. So he took them up on the mountain and defeated James and John. And speaking, behold, bright clothes overshadowed them. Suddenly they came out, my uh, beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Um, yeah, I was right. Moses and Elijah. You find that in, in uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. Uh, verse 3, Moses and Elijah. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. <clears throat> so, very powerful. We don't want to miss that. So, it takes faith to walk with God. Bishop Morton once said when we were we were doing covenant partners, remember that here? He says, if you're going to flow with me, you got to have faith. you got to have you got to have a lot because you got to flow by faith with me if you're going to walk with me. So, you don't need anyone. You don't need any more than he has already used. So, the only faith you need is what he has given you. Because, why do I say that? Because God gives perfectly. Every gift of God is perfect and is well suited for you. It has been designed specifically for you. Your level of faith, your portion of faith has been, has been designed specifically for you to, to operate in along with your gift. So, when you, so you don't have to, you, so you don't need any more faith than that which you already have been given. So don't look at what other Christians do with, their, with, with, with an eye to comparing yourself with them because that is not wise. And you put undue pressure on yourself trying to be like this person or that. But let me, let me say, let me put it this way. You know how there used to be the certain, certain folks in school that you, that you thought were cool and you wanted, to, you wanted to fit in with them and you envied them and, you know, you thought it would be great to be in with them. And then when you got in with them, you realized they were just like everybody else and nothing really special about them. And so you, you, you wanted to hang out with this clique. Well, you don't have to do that. You are sufficient in yourself to do what God has created you to do. You just need to connect with a pastor, and you need to connect with a ministry and a pastor that, you can, that can nurture you and help you to grow in your gift. And now let's talk about our third and our final gift. When I say in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, uh, that it's not wise, uh, for you to compare yourself with uh, uh, someone else. And let's go there real quick. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And then I will be finished here. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. Paul is talking. If we dare not class, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So it's not wise, it's not smart to compare yourself with somebody else. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't help you at all. It makes your life miserable. You begin to not even like who you are, and then you start finding fault with who you are because, you are, because you're comparing yourself with somebody else. Well, you're a totally different person than they. You grew up differently than them. Your mind, you think differently than they do. You are not, you, you are not supposed to be like them. And that's a, a, a struggle that our young children and even our young adults have a problem with. And even a lot of the older adults, they compare themselves with what everybody else has, and, and it makes them miserable. We have to get beyond that. Here's the third kind of faith, and this is a special faith. A special faith is usually accompanied by two companions. 
healings and miracles. That's that third faith. That and this faith is the gift of the Spirit. And this is the kind of this is what we're talking about here. First, uh, First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine. This is to another the gift of faith. So I differentiate differentiated from the saving faith and normal Christian faith because this faith is observed in the performance of miracles. So that is, the Holy Spirit steps up his game, if you will, and on, on multiple levels. So the best way, I think, to illustrate, to, to really get into this and, and deal with this is to just give you some examples of what I'm talking about when we talk about, when we talk about the uh, special faith or the gift of the Spirit, that faith, uh, which is by the gift of the, which is a gift of the spirit. So let's take a look at a few examples. Um, uh, for example, the, well, I want us to stroll back down the old. I want to stroll down Old Testament lane to First Kings chapter seventeen, verse one. I want to stroll down Old Testament, the Old Testament lane, uh, to First Kings chapter seventeen, verse one. Got it. First Kings chapter seventeen, verse one. First Kings chapter seventeen verse one. And Elijah the Tishbit who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I tell you, boy, I just started. I, I just, I just, man, just, I just got so excited on the inside. That's not, listen, he says, it shall not do, be, there shall not be due nor rain these years except at my word. Except at my word. That's faith. That, that gosh almighty, that is faith. First Kings, <laughs> wow, and my word. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? That's a faith. He believed that when he, what, go ahead. Please, I feel free. No, no, I was, I was going to do a belief in my spirit. Go for it. I want to hear it. Go for it. Say it. <laughs> Give me a chance to take a swig from my tea here. Oh, but there, there's something that we're believing that works. So, uh, yeah, that is not gonna is not gonna happen. So I walk in faith and speak it. Amen. So he says, "Not at my word." So I accept at my word. So what does that tell you, as a faith believing, a faith walking Christian? What does what should that tell you if you say it's not gonna be? And you you speak it by faith. What do you think is going to happen? What's going to happen? You know what you say is going to happen. Then what I say is going to happen. Boy, this is meant for me to hear this because I'm like, <clears throat> I've been saying that word. Yes, a Faith walk. And I love this boy. As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain. These years, except at my word, it was at his word. God had given him that faith and that authority 
to speak it, and he said it's at my word. I love it, except at my word. And see, go to Second First Kings chapter eighteen now, chapter eighteen. The next, just the same, the same, uh, the next chapter over, verses forty-one through forty-six. Hmm. <clears throat> and Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he goes up his and runs and runs the Lord. Oh, Lord. Now, we have him saying, this many years, there won't be, the, the heavens are going to be shut up. No dew on the ground, no rain falling, and it won't until except at my word. And then he turns around in 18, verse 41 through 46, and he prays and he calls back the rain. So at his word, there was nothing. And at his word, it came again. That is the gift of faith by the Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. That is powerful. That's a different thing. When he spoke it, it was so. I love it. And then 2 Corinthians, I mean 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings chapter 4. Verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> now cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath nothing, anything hath not anything in the house but the pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow these vessels aboard of all thy neighbors, and even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went you want me to keep going? So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her son who brought the vessel to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. <laughs> wow. Notice what the man of God told him to do. What do you have? What do you want me to do for you? What do you have in your house? And she just said she had oil. And that's all she needed. And she and at his word, 
Now, this is faith. He, he, by faith, instructs her on what to do, and she, by faith, obeys the man of God, recognizing that he's the man of God, and she goes, she sends her son, and they borrow all these vessels. He said, not a, not a few. In other words, you get as many as you possibly can. Now, if you see this, then you're going, well, how much oil does she really have that she could just pour and pour and pour? When she didn't have much, what did she have? How much did she have? A cruise? She had one small vessel of oil? A pot of oil. A pot. doesn't say how large the pot is, but my guess is it's not very large. But she filled up, and it doesn't tell us how many vessels she filled up. But there was, but, but what it does tell me that the oil would have continued to flow as long as they had more vessels to pour oil into. But because they had not any more vessels uh, that they could pour oil into, that's when the oil, the flow of oil stopped. But the point is, by faith, Elijah's Elijah's faith. By faith, he instructed this widow on what to do to get income to take care of herself and her son. And she did not have to worry about eating or, or having money to cover, to cover her expenses. Why? Because the Lord, through his prophet, spoke into this woman, and she obeyed. And now when the sons, now what do you think the sons thought about this too? If the sons went out and if the mother believed the man of God, and she sent her sons out to get the vessel, borrow as many vessels as possible, and then they did it, and they came back, and they saw what, and they saw what the man of God instructed the mother to do to come to pass, and that the oil did not stop until, until there was nothing more for them to pour oil into. They had faith in the man of God too. That goes to their faith. You, if you are a man or woman of God. When you walk in, people ought to know that you're a woman, man or woman of God. You walk in faith, not in pride, not in arrogance, not in stuck up at this, you know, not in better than me, better than you and this, but you walk in a humble, a confident assurance that you are the child of God and that you are and you have you walk by faith in God and that's powerful. Now, let me go to this last one here because I have more, but I'm just going to go deal with this last one here, and that is, um, let's go to, we talked about Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 before. I don't want to deal with Naaman again, but let's go, if you will, uh, to Acts chapter 20, verses 9 and 12, 9 through 12. Acts chapter 20, verses 9 through 12. Huh. I hope this is helping somebody, this faith walk. This is the gift of faith. Because when you have the gift of faith, you can do something. It is just like that. Yeah. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus. Eutychus, okay. Eutychus. Being fallen into a deep sleep. As Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third law and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him, said, Trouble not yourself, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even to the break of the day, 
So he departed, and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. Yes. So we see that when you have faith, faith has, remember I started out saying faith has, has two companions, healings and miracles. Well, this was a miracle. Paul was able to go down by faith, by, by this gift of faith, and, and make this and, and wake this young boy up out of his death. Bring him right back. This powerful. Uh, so the gift of faith is a is a really almost like an immediate thing. You do things that you would not otherwise be able to do. Just absolutely out of the box, uh, un, unimaginable acts when you have faith. And though and very few men um, have this and women have this gift, but there are men and women who have this gift. And it's very powerful when, when um, but that should not deter us from walking by faith and you and and exercising our gifts by faith to please the Lord. There are very there are different members that make up the body, but we are all one body. So that's why we can't compare ourselves with anybody else. We can't we can't be jealous of anybody else. We have to be able to look at our own gifts and, and nurture and, and build up our own gifts and, and, and exercise faith, exercise those gifts by faith. That is so important for us to really, really get a hold of. So I hope that this has helped you uh, somewhat tonight. I, but it looks like we're going to close this year out uh, addressing, you know, teaching on the gifts of the Spirit uh, so next Thursday was probably was going to be our last uh, Bible study, uh, I think, for this year, because Christmas is going to be that follow, uh, following uh, week, and so we won't have Bible study week after next. I'm grateful for everyone who joined us. If there's someone on the call that does not know Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of their sin, we always want to give you an opportunity to ask Christ into your heart to be your Savior and your Lord. That is always a first and foremost. That's the ultimate reason that we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the reason we minister the word of God so that faith can come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear the word of God, you, you want and you have that faith to hear the word of God, then salvation becomes uh, of you uh, through Jesus Christ. So we just thank you for joining us on tonight. Um, if you're looking for a church home, we'd love for you to become a part of Jesus Christ Ministries Global. Uh, thirdly, if you're a backslider, you want that joy restored in your life, I know that God will restore that joy. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He will do it, and he will do it now. And if you're in need of prayer, I am so, so such a believer of prayer. And we love to pray, and we will definitely be humbled, honored to pray for you. And then, of course, I think that's about it. Uh, in any of these areas, we, we'd love for you to become a part of this ministry. Well, that's it. Thank you for joining us, and I hope that you learned something tonight and, and that you've uh, grown a little bit stronger in your walk and in your faith and in understanding the Word of God. And I encourage you to go back and take the scriptures that I that ministered on tonight and Read those, and you know, you know, do some more research on your own to get a greater, a fuller understanding. And again, thank you for joining us on tonight. Love you. Love you too as well. 
you close us out, uh, Executive Pastor. Father God, we thank you for the words that we heard. We thank you as we are uh, learning about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you that we have this earthen vessel inside of us, and we just we just cannot thank you enough, Father God, because the Holy Spirit is teaching us all truth. Hallelujah. So we just thank you, Father God, as we go out through the rest of this week, Father God. We pray for spiritual discernment, Father God. We thank you for every single gift that you deposited in us, Father God, by under the unction of the Holy Spirit, Father God. We pray that we will grow into the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray, Father God, that we will let our light go shine us the people to see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. We thank you, Father God. Hallelujah, that you add the riches and blessings and not sorrow. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are supplying all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yes. We thank you, Father God, if you had 10,000 times, we could not praise you or not. We just want to let you know that we love you, we adore you, and we put no one before you. And we say, have your way within our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray for everyone that's on this call, Father God, and we see the blood of Jesus on, on them, Father God. Yes. We see the blood of Jesus on their home, Father God. Protect them where, where, wherever they go. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Father God. And we pray for everyone that's on this call, Father God, that their family members are are standing up right before you and those that do not know you in the partner of their sin, Father God. We pray, Father God, that you will prepare their hearts to receive the gospel, Father God, that they will be translated from death into and translated out of the darkness into a marvelous light, Father God. So we thank you for what you're doing. We pray a special prayer for healing in our bodies, Father God, that we are whole from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. We thank you for our financial blessings that you have already given us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father God, that you want us to be, you want us to prosper and be in good health, even as our soul prospers, Father God. So we thank you, Father God, that our names are written in the last book of life, and that as I desire is for others to learn to know of you, and they can say that they taste it and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So, Father God, we pray for a peaceful sleep tonight in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Father God. And, Father God, even in that peaceful rest, Father God, we ask that you give us witty ideas and inventions in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father God, we said, mold us and shape us, Father God, just so we can be fit for the master's use. And we give your name all the glory and the honor. And let the redeemed of the Lord say, Amen. 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 Thank you. I appreciate that. Did you, uh, you already shut it off? God be the glory for the great things that he's doing and the great things that he's about to do. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, it won't let me end it, so I'm going to have to terminate. So I'm like, what? Okay, Marie, love you. Love you. All right, take care. Read your email. Oh, I did. Thanks, okay. for, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. You know, I don't, don't, you know, I don't try to miss. Okay, love you. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.